0: You're listening to Joe List's Mindful Metal Jacket on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, folks, whatever you say. Welcome to Joe List's Mindful Metal Jacket Podcast. Thank you for listening. i happy that you're here. I'm coming to you live from my apartment. And by live, I mean not live. I'm live now while speaking, but this is a recording device I'm speaking into, so you're hearing me several days ago. And this is a few days ago because I am on a cruise right now. Uh, If you're listening to this on Thursday, the day it comes out, many of you, most of you probably won't. Hopefully, most of you hear about this much later as it continues to grow. But I most appreciate the people that are listening today, Thursday, the day it came out because you're in on the ground floor. And I also appreciate the new people because you're the new people, so you're very important. It doesn't matter. God bless you for listening. And uh, God bless you if if you've made it past this. I'm just blabbing. I am in my apartment. I just got home. I flew home from Omaha today and I had a five and a half hour delay and I'm heading back to the airport in, oh, about 10 hours. Not an ideal day for a delay. But I meditated a lot and I also was filled with rage and anger. But imagine how much more rage I would have if I wasn't meditating at the airport or pretending to meditate while I just sat with my eyes closed wanting to punch everyone in the face. But, uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. It's never an ideal time for a delay. Sometimes, though, you're like, eh, I got nowhere to be. Today I was supposed to shoot a web series that I ended up missing which was a bummer, and it's Oscar night, so it was going to be fun to act and then uh, go and watch the Oscars. But um, I'll talk about this more in depth probably on Tuesdays with Stories, which I hope you listen to. I hope you enjoy that podcast as well as this podcast. Uh, Today's guest is the wonderful, hilarious, and uh, always enjoyable to be around Katie Hannigan. If you don't know Katie, you should. She's a great comic, and uh, we had a great time she came in here and uh katie is very very smart and wise and reads a lot and watches a lot of docs she's got a lot of uh wisdom and knowledge and um at one point in this episode i learned that anecdote and antidote are two different words and i felt dumb i almost didn't put the episode out because i was oh just humiliated humiliated um but uh what can you do here he comes. You're going to hear it. And uh, Katie has some great book recommendations, a couple of which I'm reading now. So enjoy those book wrecks and enjoy Katie. She is uh, much, much smarter than I am, which will be uh, evident throughout. Um, but uh, it doesn't mean that I'm dumb. I felt dumb, but that doesn't mean I'm dumb. It means I'm smart and she's really smart. How about that? Put that in your pipe and suck your own dick. Okay. Um, Anyways, thanks for listening. It's uh, early on in the new show. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, thank you for all the kind reviews. Please keep doing that if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. I don't know how else you'd listen to podcasts because I'm an idiot, but keep giving it uh, reviews. And they're all really touching, so I appreciate it. So thank you for that. And um, I started an Instagram. It's at uh, MMJ Podcast. Not Instagram, Twitter. I did not do an Instagram. I should do that. I did a Twitter, at MMJ Podcast on Twitter and um you should come see me do comedy right now I'm on a cruise ship with the impractical jokers and uh I forget my dates I don't have my book I just walked to the door but you can go to comedianjolist.com and uh listen to Tuesdays with stories I hope you're listening to that podcast and um, anyways that's what's going on today. So get ready to hear myself and Katie Hannigan have a wonderful conversation and um, check out Katie Hannigan on all uh, her platforms. She's great and uh, you'll enjoy her. She makes me laugh out loud. And now it's time for a little love and inspiration. And today I'm going outside the box a little bit. Uh, it's enough of already with these Buddhists. Let's go with my old pal, Eddie Vedder. Do you see the way that tree bends? Does it inspire? Leaning out to catch the sun's rays, a lesson to be applied. Are you getting something out of this all-encompassing trip? You can spend your time alone redigesting past regrets, or you can come to terms and realize you're the only one who can forgive yourself. It makes much more sense to live in the present tense this is good stuff all right okay. i'm hitting it we're recording okay all right Hello. i'm here with katie Hannigan. i've already done a big intro for oh, you okay. i've said how great you are so they're oh, aware Oh,
0: that's so nice
1: i mean i haven't done it yet but in post i will and i'm gonna do a backup on my phone here do you use this recording for your phone like the, the one that it comes with the phone do you have an iphone
0: no i have i use a recording app that's very fucked up and i've been using it for years and when i got the new phone it doesn't record chronologically so i have to go through and fi- it, all the dates are all mixed in and it's all fucked up Weird. and um, i can't stop using it because it's the app that i've used ever since i had an iphone even though I have uh, two other recording apps on here, I just keep using this one.
1: Mine sucks also. They all suck. Because this yeah, one does a thing, I'll hit it like seven times and it doesn't start recording. Yeah. Um, but anyways, right before we started recording, we were talking about how you'll just randomly buy stuff on Amazon. I get like compulsively. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And I was just listening to um, the old uh louis ck on mark marin from like 2011 okay which is a great listen because they like fight and they both cry it's pretty intense oh wow yeah it's really something but anyways louis was talking about how he goes to therapy and um the therapist his therapist was like when you go to buy a randomly buy a 1500 hundred dollar trumpet even though you don't play trumpet just think that's anxiety and you're trying to deal with anxiety by buying something impulsively. Yeah. And it really hit home for me because I'm like, that's what I do. I'll get really into like... I'll spend like an hour looking up rock climbing equipment yeah, or yeah. like getting, I'm like, I'm going to buy a house in Western Mass or something. And I'm like, oh, that's just anxiety. And I'm trying to distract myself. from Yeah, it. yeah.
0: you're like escaping.
1: Do I, you think that has anything to do with your random buying?
0: I, I don't know. I think like I definitely do. Um, I definitely subconsciously do things to like cope with anxiety. So right. it could be from that. But it's like even, you know, I I, I also feel like, Maybe deep down, I feel like I'm not good enough and I have to like do extra things to like help my personality, you know? Yes, I have that. Oh, if I I read this tome about Donald Trump, then I can have a conversation and, you know, I won't just be like making armpit farts.
1: (laughs) I have that uh, all the time. First of all, both those things. I do armpit farts for my nephew and I try to do a bit about this. He never doesn't laugh. Like, I could do 50 in a row, and my nephew's never like, yeah, I get it, you do a fart noise with your armpit. <laughs> He's still like, yeah! <laughs> and um, That's great. I love him for that. But I feel the same way. Like my whole, I feel like my whole day is just trying to compile things that make me uh, a well-rounded person. I'm like, I'll watch an hour of news, and then I'll read a half hour of some sort of book, journalistic book. Mm-hmm. Then I'll mm-hmm. watch a documentary so I know about the legal system. Then I'll go see a movie so I can talk about the arts. Yeah. And then I should write or something like that. And I think a lot of that is just trying to fulfill what I think a person is supposed to be.
0: Well, that's so funny that you say that because I, you know, I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy for three years now. It's like psychotherapy. So like a lot of what we do is like going back to childhood. And I, one of the things that I've like brought up is that I remember being in sixth grade and like not not knowing which songs were popular And I was like, okay I'm just gonna have to, you know, sit for uh, Every day, sit at the radio I'm gonna listen for an hour, I'm gonna write down I'm gonna take notes, then I will know Which songs, you know, it's like, what What is up with that, you know
1: right? It's like this
0: childhood, I had a lot of like neuroses In my childhood that went like totally Unnoticed Same. Because my parents were both like, my mom Was in nursing school my whole childhood And my dad was working, and then also like Working late, aka going out After work and he would travel a lot so I was just kind of like you know struggling with these like bizarre thoughts and never really having an outlet which is why like when I've been going to therapy for the past three years I'm like oh I feel so much better
1: yes I feel so now what's the difference I feel very similarly and I don't know if you had this like I just thought everything was normal Yeah, that's what, you know, and my parents never they didn't hit me or beat me or whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck um, with respect to people that that happened to. And so I was just like, I had a great childhood. It was fine. But you realize later, like, oh, there was still things missing that I wasn't getting in that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to think, like, what would the perfect childhood be? You know, it's like, even if you have like all these different like things in your childhood that, you know, like, I think a lot of parents now are like helicoptering parents. But it's like, you can't not expose your child to the terrors of life. Life is actually... You know, we're all gonna die. You could die tomorrow. Sure. You know? And when you're like five or six, that's when I remember like grasping it for the first time. And it's like you're, you know, no like amount of like, you know, like I think parental support it can really help you.
1: Yeah, I remember feeling that way too. I remember my uncle said. I always say my uncle. He's like four years older than me. I always feel like I have to put that out there. Oh, I
0: have an aunt like that who's nine years older than me.
1: Yeah, people think uncle. I have all these crazy stories about like me and my uncle were drinking and driving. It was wild. People are like, (laughs) your uncle? (laughs) I'm like, well, yeah, we're like the same age. Yeah. (laughs) But I remember him saying to me when I was a kid, every second that goes by, you're one second closer to death. And I was so young. Yeah. And it like, fucked me. I think it's like one of these like driving moments in my life that's always with me of like oh we just we're just speeding towards just death. a
0: constant existential crisis at a young age
1: yeah you from know? like fun yeah so <laughs> i was like six and i was like oh i want to watch you know dennis the menace or whatever the hell but it's um, like are you
0: gonna waste those seconds you that, know on christopher lloyd well great that's movie. it
1: was a great movie that's how i still feel now is i i always feel like i'm wasting time i should be there's something i should be doing yeah and i've talked about this before on different episodes which I work on in therapy is like, I always feel like there's the right thing to be like somewhere. There's like a book of what I'm supposed to be doing between 1 PM and 3 PM on Mm. September 9th, Mm -hmm. 2020 or whatever. And I'm like, fuck, is this it? I'm watching sports. Should I be exercising or should I be meditating? And so I have this constant thing and I have to remind myself that like, there is no right answer of what to be doing. Um, I don't know how we got there, but now I want to, what's the difference between psychotherapy and just regular therapy? So,
0: I mean, it's like r- true psychotherapy is like you go every day for like an hour for like a week, but it's basically just talk therapy. So it's like, I don't get a lot of like advice from my therapist. She listens to me talk and she points out different things like like things that she thinks could be subconscious patterns and then she'll also point out like if i have like a you know kind of like freudian slip she'll point out that we also talk about dreams a lot we talk about like so it's very much like a focus on um unconscious like self-sabotage unconscious tendencies like this week Um, well, I was telling you, I saw you and I was telling Sarah also that I thought I had a blood clot. Right. So I have like some issues with hypochondria and I can tell like 17 different stories, but this, the flavor of this week was (laughs) blood clot from my birth control, which I've thought I've had for months. And it's like, you just don't have a blood clot for months. You get it and then you either die or you like get help and you're fine. Right. But, um, I think I actually pinched a nerve, but something's going on with my leg. I've, my leg's been like spazzing out. But I've took, you know, there's a spin class. There's a lot of different elements. But anyway, so I've been talking to my therapist about it and she she suggested, you know, it's very like, you know, it could be this. Maybe it's not. We don't know. Like the therapist doesn't take on a role of like advisor. It's very much like she doesn't know and I don't know. And we're kind of like figuring it out together. And it's like a very long process.
1: Sure. Yeah. I feel similarly. We talked about this a little bit the other night. Um, I'm reading this book, Healing Back Pain by Dr. Sarno, which is like a famous book. He's a famous doctor, but he got really into psychosomatic stuff and how like Mm -hmm. so much like any kind of back pain that's not from like blunt force or like an injury is usually like you're repressing anxiety or anger from childhood. And I've had this, I've been dealing with hypochondriac for my entire life. Yeah. And my therapist believes it's because, like, that's the best way to get attention in my family.
0: That's what my therapist was suggesting. Uh-huh. She was suggest she suggested, is there maybe something that's thrilling about having this, like, anxiety? Right. Or it's like, um, you know, it, not necessarily that, like, I am doing it, uh, like, ostensibly to get attention, but... Um, I feel like I'm special which obviously I do like I'm my job as a comedian sure. I feel like I'm special enough to be like performing in front of a hundred people yes so then I therefore also feel like you know I need to feel special in all these different moments now I now I also feel like I'm the lucky one in 10,000 people that get a blood clot
1: yes I do the same thing and I, I've, I've said this before too My fear is always I have Joe List disease. I got something that no one's ever heard of. (laughs) It's never happened before. Yeah. And but my therapist is like my family's a lot of uh, my family responds to crisis or drama. Yes. Like more so than... Um, success, even like I do the mm-hmm. Tonight Show, and there's not much like this is unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe it. They're just kind of like a few days pass, and they're like, oh yeah, we watched it. It was really great. But if I call and I'm like, I got an impacted wisdom to it. They're like, oh geez, okay, well let's call the dentist. We'll get Steve. Do you know what about everyone? Take a look at this too. Like yeah. it's like that's like a bigger response. Mm. It's some kind of uh, crisis because my family kind of relates through anxiety, yeah. and so I end up creating all these uh, illnesses or injuries or whatever it is. Cause it's easier to get attention that way than yeah. to be like, Hey, I had a great set at, yeah. you know, skid marks in,
0: uh, It's so interesting you say that because my mom's an emergency room nurse. And so it's like everything in my family, it's like a very chaotic, you know, it's right. like a lot of things turn into emergencies, even like small things, you know, yeah. where it's like, I was home a couple, um, this was like last year and we were going to an event and my aunt was like, oh, I forgot my slip. And it was like, OK, we get the car, right, pull the right. car around. We're going to Marshall's pile in, pile in, get your shoes. We're going now. Right. You know, it's just like see, everything becomes like a huge it's overreaction. But, you know, my mom, I think because she worked in the emergency room for so long and she was. She's like desensitized to it, but also it's like her natural unconscious response to be like, okay, here, like, bring him in. We're going to get the bullet out, you know? Yeah,
1: sure. Like, I think that's similar with my family. My family feels, and I have this similarly, is like, we're best functioning when you're helping somebody. Everyone Mm -hmm. wants so desperately to help somebody. So we're all about problems. So you can be like, yeah, I don't. I don't have a gift for my niece. Well, let's go. Let's all go to the mall. Come on, we got to figure something out. Like yeah. let's, let's solve yeah. this as opposed to <laughs> just like things are going great. I did like this weekend in Madison. It was really great. They don't quite know how to. There's yeah. no uh, crisis there, so yeah. they're just like, oh, okay, good yeah and yeah. so it's like I, I think there's like psychosomatically or subconsciously whatever i'm not smart i look like i might be smart but <laughs> like subconsciously i think you kind of create these things Is that's a you way do. to get yeah
0: you just get caught that's what psychotherapy is like so fascinating to me because I, I i would go for so long and i'd be like is this helping i'm literally talking and my therapist will say like two things but then over the long term it's like those two things that she says like each session they uh, like come together at certain points and and then you just have this like evolution where you're like oh my god i just had a huge breakthrough just from you know these tiny little bits that i have i've been like oh i guess i talk about this a lot or you know i talk about like now let me tell you this story. This this is the first time I ever had a hypochondria episode. Okay. And my mom my mom was in nursing school for like 10 years. So my like a lot of my childhood was like kind my mom is desensitized to like <laughs> the horrors of the medical world. Sure. So like a lot of my childhood would be like, you know, my mom would be like, "Hey, surgery fun." You know.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> like
0: she would take me into the ER with her and it, you know, it's terrifying. And uh, people would just be like screaming in agony. My mom's like, hey, hey, everybody.
1: How old are you now during this? Like a kid? This was when
0: I was like um, probably about 11.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's very young still.
0: But my first, I think the one thing that started it all off for me was I lived in a house uh, that had lead paint when I was about four And um, I had to get my blood tested for lead poisoning. But no one was ever like, hey, if you have lead poisoning, like, we'll figure it out. My parents are just like, we got to see if you've been poisoned.
1: Right, right.
0: So there was no like, I was like, oh, my God, like. Am I about to fucking die? Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I remember hearing that with carbon monoxide, like mm-hmm. the carbon monoxide detectors yes, came out. Yeah, I was very my, afraid of that. Yeah, and like my family, my parents bought a carbon monoxide detector, and I just remember hearing that like people die and it's silent, you can't yeah, smell it, yeah, and that's like the scariest thing. And, like it's probably little things like that. I'm realizing now in my in this moment that like. Those are things that you carry with you forever of like while you're sleeping, there might be a silent thing. There's no warning. And so I would always check the batteries and and like look (laughs) and make sure it's plugged in. And every once in a while it would go off just because it's a device so it's meant to go off. It would go off and I would be like, open all the windows. It'd be like February in New England yeah. and I got like all the windows open and a fan and I would go stand outside and I'm like 10 years old. And they're like, get back in here, you psycho.
0: I think that's so common with parents though because they just don't understand how the mind of the child works, you know, so they're just like, well, you know, we could die in our sleep at any time, but anyway, have fun at
1: school today. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, it's traumatic and I feel that way now. I have like nieces and nephews and my family, they don't mean it, but like you're, you're hanging out drinking telling stories and you'll start talking about a news story like oh did you see that woman that killed all her kids and yeah, then yeah. shot the dog and we're kind of like yeah that was wild and I'll look over my nephew's just like what happened Yeah, and you're like we can't talk that about this That was my around whole childhood kids.
0: my mom has no like filter you know so she would be like oh yeah she was I remember I was like six and she was reading the book Sybil and she would just be like oh, I read this crazy thing her mom tied her upside down and <laughs> gave her um, diuretics and she would beat her right like, what yeah the most disturbing thing i've ever heard
1: and you're like this exists but you kind of alluded to a thing before about like they didn't tell you it's gonna be okay even if no. if you are poisoned we'll we'll take care of it i just read this book the anecdote which is a word i always said there was a c in anecdote but there's so not did i maybe there is
0: maybe it's a is it the antidote
1: is that something different antidote oh an is an anad- like
0: a reverse poison and an anecdote is like a story
1: Oh, that's what, see, again, I'm dumb because it's antidote. What that's, does that mean? That
0: means like if you get a snake's venom, if you get bit by a snake, you have to get like wow. the anti-venom, like the antidote is like the cure for a poison.
1: I thought those were the same words my whole life. Mm. Like yeah an anecdote was like one is those, like a small story I thought it was like oh it could mean either one of those things.
0: <laughs> quick I need a small story <laughs> that's, that means something <laughs>
1: I've, been by a snake.
0: <laughs> I've been bitten by a snake well one time <laughs> yeah,
1: two guys walk into a bar and, uh, one says ouch All right. well I just read the antidote Antidote. I don't know I keep pointing over there at a I know, bookshelf but at it's, you,
0: guys have, you guys have a lot of books
1: we got a big bookshelf down I buy a lot of books uh, I do like to read for a guy that's dumb I read a lot but reading doesn't really make you smart
0: It depends on like the I guess the reading level.
1: Yeah, I guess. But what's the
0: antidote about? Oh,
1: okay. So the antidote, there's a whole chapter about um stoics, which is like some kind of religion or group.
0: Yes, I know about that.
1: Yeah, and their whole thing is that like well he talks about this a lot of first of all, you just deal whatever whatever you have, you just deal with and it'll be okay. That's like the reality now. But it talks about that thing of, and this is a problem I have when I have like hypochondria. I'll ask every, and I've gotten better with this, I'll ask every single person, have you ever had a numbness in your <laughs> mouth? And they'll say, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had that. And I go, oh, okay. But I still keep looking. Someone's like, no, you should check that out. And then I f- freak out because I'm like, well, if you don't have it, that means I have it and something bad's going to happen. But now I'm trying, they, and they, my therapist says this too, and they talk about it in this book, is like, you should the stoics Stoics, they think of the worst case scenario like you should spend time thinking about that like okay worst case scenario you have a blood clot you'll go to the doctor and they'll do whatever treatment yeah Yeah, it'll it'll be taken care of i had that with like teeth teeth is like a theme with me it's like a big fear of mine Mm. and i had like an impacted wisdom tooth and i kept being like do you guys have an impact will you take a look at it i'm looking at it i'm asking the dentist and have all these things yeah and then you realize it's like yeah, you just go and have it taken out. It's yeah. not. It hurts for you a couple just of days. Just be an
0: adult about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they take it out, and it's fine. So the thing is, like all these things we worry about. If you have it, you just deal with it. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, you just
0: but also you you think too, like you do you underestimate the resilience of the human body you know like I always think like but I was doing the same thing though like I was I was out at uh I had a like panic attack on the train the other day I was like I have a blood clot I'm gonna have a heart attack on the damn train the worst place mm-hmm. and then I went to the show I saw Isabel Hagen I'm like I, can you, I have you ever had a blood clot she's like yes I have I'm like okay so I'm like asking her all the symptoms then I was just talking about it on stage I'm like anybody had a blood clot <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, I'd do
1: the same thing.
0: And it's like, that's not helpful because then you're just like spiraling thinking about it more.
1: Exactly. It's like you
0: just have to go to the doctor and be like, hey, something's wrong. Right you know and then they take care of it it.
1: and then the doctor usually goes yeah i deal with this all day. like i have i still have another impacted wisdom tooth that i should have taken out at some point but the other one i went and i was like it's on a nerve and i heard if they can damage the nerve and you have numbness in your face the whole life and then the surgeon was like because i have a dentist my regular dentist was like i wouldn't touch that you shouldn't do anything with that you could screw up that nerve sever that nerve yeah and then i went to the oral surgeon and told him and he was like yeah your dentist he shouldn't do it but i do it this is all i do every day yeah it's just like we'll just take it out and again it was like completely fine but my therapist says that too where it's like i'm so afraid of dying and he's like yeah okay so you die worst case scenario you die then what you're just dead it's not like everyone's gonna die
0: everyone dies
1: and so in your in the moment you're like i know but i don't want to die and then you're like all right, if you're dying, you're dying. There's nothing you can do yeah, about it, I guess. The
0: existential crisis can really be terrifying. Like, I feel like every couple of years, I just go through a, a, like a three-week existential crisis where it's like, every, you know, every time I like come into consciousness, I'm like, I'm going to die. And then I have to like face that I'm dying, you know, in that moment. Right. Or like face that, like that moment that's going to come to you where you're like, I just got diagnosed with cancer. I just got diagnosed with like stage four yeah. cancer. And it's it's like really terrifying and there's really like no way to get around it. It's just like, well, yeah, now I'm in terror.
1: And then you just have to accept that and go, all right, well, I'll just be dead then.
0: Sometimes I get so anxious, I get tired of feeling anxious. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I made it through my cycle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have
1: the same exact thing. It's like reaching a bottom, basically. Yeah. And I've had this before where I get so anxious and I'm like losing my mind and having a panic attack and I'm like, I should just kill myself. And then I think, well, this all, all this fear started from a fear of dying. And yeah. now I've gotten myself to like, I could just kill myself. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But the solution is killing myself, which is the thing that I was afraid of. Yeah. So dying would be a relief from all this. Yeah. So part, sometimes I'm like, all right, that's not so bad.
0: What's, yeah. Well, like, also, I think too, like I was atheist for a very long time. And like my concept of death was like, uh, you you literally just you have a like something very painful and you slowly fade away and it's terrifying and it's right. really terrifying and um i realized that like even even if i am atheist like that concept of death is something that i'm creating in my own mind so also like uh, who knows what happens when you die? I I think like a lot of atheists, you know, are like, well, nothing happens. We know that science. But it's like, well, science is we're like 300 years out of the fucking dark ages. Sure. So who knows? You could go on a magical unicorn adventure and not <laughs> believing in God doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. So one of the things that I've been doing now is like, uh, I actually, well, because my boyfriend uh, is very into like... Uh, um near-death experiences and like i just kind of started getting into it from him even though some some of these like near-death experiences we've listened to are like just insane the guy's like well i've always been talking to aliens (laughs) and then i had the heart attack you know it's like okay um i'm not gonna listen to him but (laughs) like some of these are like almost all of them are really like wonderful and like peaceful it's like oh maybe when you die it's not terrifying. Maybe even though it is the end, it's not scary.
1: Right. Well, I've read these Buddhist books. Thich Nhat Hanh is a guy I read all the time. I keep pointing at books that aren't the books I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just pointing to other books. books. <laughs> and they, look, they look like this. They're square <laughs> uh, or rectangle, whatever. Um, but Thich Han always talks about like what it's hard to understand now as we're living. And by the way, all of this fear of death, I think, is a sign that we really enjoy life. Yeah. That we're lovers of life and we like our life because we don't want to die yeah if we were sitting here being like i can't wait to die that would be that's not good yeah that would be i do love
0: my life i love my especially like you know i just i every day i'm like i'm so grateful that i'm healthy you know but then it's like oh you're i'm like have a lot to lose
1: (laughs) exactly the more and i talk about this in therapy the more you have the more you have to lose yeah which is the constant fear in my life is losing everything. I'm afraid I'm going to lose friends. I'm afraid I'm going to lose money. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my apartment, my wife, whatever it is. Yeah. So the more of that you accumulate, the more money you make, the nicer your apartment gets, the better your relationship gets, the more devastating it would be to lose those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but anyways, not Han talks about what's hard to understand while you're young and vibrant and living your life is that the major most people when they get to death are a removed from maybe if you get robbed and shot in the face or something is that you get to a point where you sort of want to die or you have accepted it yeah like you're suffering if you have cancer or some kind of illness or you're getting old you're kind of like all right i'm ready to pass away this yeah. is getting this isn't as nice as it used to be or you're like i had a good life and
0: that's, that's a really comforting thought too. And, um, you know, so it's like, then it's the, it's very like moot then to, to be like 33, which is my age and be like, oh, I have to prepare for death now. I could, I could get cancer at any second, you right. know? which is like what my like existential spiral is.
1: Yeah. And then you'll also go through those stages of grief, the disbelief and then the anger, whatever it is. And then eventually it ends with acceptance. acceptance and yeah. you go, all right, well, I'm dying.
0: But this is one thing too, and I'm like, uh, uh, I love true crime, and I'm very like fascinated by the macabre, and I'm I've been reading a lot of Stephen King lately. Okay. I'm so I'm like in, a, I've never read any of his books. I'm obsessed with him.
1: Have you watched The Outsider on HBO at all?
0: Sarah was telling me about it. I think I actually now have to take a break because I think it's freaking <laughs> me out so much. Oh wow! Because it's like I, that's what I was gonna say. You're like, well, you know, aside from like someone who gets robbed and shot in the face, it's like that's actually really rare, but. Because I'm so, like, obsessed with that concept. I just... I, I see it on TV all the time. You know, we have such, like, an alarmist society where it's like... Sure. Oh, but another guy was, like, killed in the Bronx on his way to the bodega, you know? Yeah. And um, so I because i'm like putting a lot of that stuff in my brain i'm living in this like heightened state where i'm like anything's possible who's (laughs) back who's back there you know right so i I, i'm reading it now but i'm about to just take a break and you know because i was getting up for um I drink herbal tea before I go to bed, which is a terrible idea because I wake up at four. I'm like, "Ah," and I have to just pee.
1: Wait, is it caffeinated? No. I drink chamomile right before, but I thought that was good. I have a little mint.
0: Yeah. Okay. But I have to pee though.
1: Yeah, same here. But
0: I I was like going to the bathroom and then I was going back to my room and it was dark and I was just like, the clown, (laughs) the clown. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I have like such a vivid imagination where it's like, oh, I have to be careful of like what I'm...
1: Yeah. I'm like I've got, putting
0: that into my subconscious that I'm going to be like killed by a clown.
1: First of all, that book is enormous. I always see the books. I, every time we go to a bookstore, I'll show Sam and be like, look at it's it. It's like 12 <laughs> inches wide. That it's book huge. is huge. Um, but that's another, that book or that movie had like a huge role in my life too another thing like my uncle yeah like showed me that and it was like a clown in the sewer and i was like the age of georgie
0: yeah you're like clowns are fun
1: i've been terrified of clowns ever since and then there was also did you guys have the old myth that there was gonna be a van full of clowns that abducted you did you have that
0: no we didn't have that but my my mom was like very much uh like nervous about, you know, she would take me to like a lot of camps and like programs and stuff and she was always kind of nervous that I would be molested. And so, but she never said that, but there was this like she would be like, you don't go to the bathroom. You don't go to the bathroom with someone. I would right. be like, okay, you know, but I'm like picking up on like her fears.
1: Yeah, and that's that's another thing my therapist talks about is learned behavior that this is all learned behavior. Somewhere we yeah. got this put into our head. I remember thinking that when and this is like I don't want it to come off like my mother's racist, but we would drive through a bad neighborhood, Mm -hmm. like an actual bad neighborhood, statistically Mm -hmm. bad neighborhood. And she'd be like, okay, everyone lock the door. And then she would be freaking out. Yeah. And... You know, that was put in my head of like, so what? What does that mean? Lock the door. Someone's going to open the door and take us.
0: That actually happened to me to to my mother. Really, I was in the neighborhood that I'm from in Indianapolis. The east side is it's actually getting like gentrified now, but it was like a very uh, bad neighborhood when I was living there. And somebody actually got in the
1: car with you.
0: Uh, My mom was in the front seat driving. I was in the back seat in the car seat and someone got in the car and was like, I want you to take me here. And my mom was just like so terrified. So she would not only be like, lock the doors, everybody. Then she would tell that story, you know? So I'm like, someone's coming. I'm like three, like someone's coming.
1: (laughs) Do you have memory of that at all?
0: No, no. I think I was like 16 months old. I was like very a baby still.
1: Oh my God. So did she take him to the destination? Yeah, she said she
0: was terrified. She didn't know what to do. She just dropped the guy off and then it was like fine
1: wow that's insane greg warren has a story do you know greg
0: yeah yeah Uh,
1: he's got a great story about like someone got in his back seat of his car and said he had a gun or whatever and like made him take him to this thing and greg was like nervous and just did it i can't i don't want to screw up the story too bad it's on my podcast somewhere but the kid got out of the or the guy, I should have, I'm, I'm ruining the story, but he got out of the car afterwards <laughs> and like, Greg saw him walking away and the kid was like 13 years old. Oh my so. God. But he didn't know. It was just a guy jumped in the back seat and was like, Take me here. Yeah. And then he's like, I could have just punched this guy in the face and killed <laughs> him. However, uh, gone. But, uh, anyways. Um, but yeah, all those like childhood things, they, they it fuck adds with up. you and they it get adds in up. There. Because it is like a scary world. And it's like we talked about if you have kids, I don't know the right way to parent. No matter what you do, something's gonna get met. Like you personally, yeah. as a parent, are gonna screw up somewhere along the way. I and think. Traumatize I them. think
0: the right way to do it is to. And um, I think like baby boomers are not good at this. I think baby boomers are less emotionally mature because a lot of them had kids when they were young. And they just like, you know, we're in our 30s, like we're at a more if I was to have a child now, I'd be like way more emotionally mature than m- both of my parents when they had me. Right. Just because I've lived a longer life. I've like moved away from my town. And but um so I think I think that part of it is just talk like have talking to your kid and being like if you're if you have like an obsessive fear like we can talk we can talk about it instead of you know a lot of parents are just like busy and the kid just kind of has to sit with it
1: right yeah my parents because my parents were really young when they had me they were 21 and 22 I think and they had already had my sister who was four years older than me so but I think also we have have way more information now yeah but I think that's the thing is if you have kids to like have conversations and really listen to them yeah because my thing with like even as an adult when I was having panic attacks my parents instinct or my mother's instinct was to distract me mm-hmm. like I'm having a panic attack where I would shake on the floor like serious panic attack yeah
0: oh, she should awful. be like
1: well let's talk about the Red Sox what about you gonna go to the game are you watching the game yeah which really which was sweet she's doing the best she can do yeah but distraction is not the proper way to deal with it no, it's no. like what is it that what is the driving force here what are you anxious about what are you scared of and how can we deal with that and then yeah. it's going to be okay why do you feel like you're not okay or you're not going to be okay yeah because um,
0: therapy is like for baby boomers therapy is like so taboo I think like it's like When you, I watched The Sopranos recently and it's like such a taboo in that culture and you're like, oh, that was 1999. It's like, oh yeah, I was already like 13 by then.
1: Yeah, I still talk to people like friends in my family and stuff and uh, I talk about therapy. They're like, nah, I don't know. And you could be like, therapy has changed my life. It's the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I recommend it for everyone. People are like... Yeah, no. I don't. Yeah, they're
0: like, well, it works for you. Yeah, I'm not gonna work for everybody. Yeah, so, and well, you're just,
1: you're kind of like this. It will help you. People will say, I talk to my friends, and you're like, well, your friends are drunk idiots. They're not yeah. doctors.
0: Yeah, but the thing too, it's like it's not just therapy. It's like having a mindset of like I'm gonna cope with these uncomfortable feelings instead of like running from them. You know, it's like it's like you have to be in therapy, but then it's also like you're doing the work of like reading things like exploring your exploring painful emotions instead of just like push it down
1: right well the other thing is i think you have to with all this stuff you have to want to change yeah i mean that's like that's like that with getting sober or dealing with anxiety all that stuff you have to have the desire to actually because a lot of people will just go to therapy because it's court ordered or their spouse told them to go or whatever and they're still like "Ah, i don't know i don't care you have to really want it's change. it's
0: crazy how much going to therapy has changed my life like same i remember i knew i needed to go for like a few years because i was just like in a like bad like you know just in a bad place emotionally for like a long long time mm-hmm. and then after after i had been going like a year i was like oh my god i feel so much better i feel like from a place of like you know my life is never going anywhere. Things are bad to like every day. I'm like, I'm so grateful for my life, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah, now, did you go to therapy before when you were a kid or at any point? This is the first time going. I to never therapy. did.
0: I really should have been in therapy when I was younger. Like I had like so many obsessive fears. I had like my, both of my parents have a lot of anxiety. So I think I like learned it from them, but I had like uh, obsessive fears of, uh, I was obsessed um, with the idea that I would be poisoned by somebody. It's like, Oh, I wonder where that came from for right. like two years. I was like, I wouldn't eat like certain foods. I read this article. This is like back in like 1993. Remember that Jack in the Box E. coli outbreak?
1: Um, no, I don't think there was we don't have huge, Jack in the Box. Up yeah, North, we don't North have East. it
0: in Indiana either. But there was a huge E. coli outbreak. And I was... Do, I was, like, doing a collage at, at my school. My, like, second grade were, like, collaging. And I'm just, like, reading the article about, like, all these kids died in this E. coli outbreak. So I, I wouldn't eat fast food for a long time. And it's like, yeah, I probably should have been in therapy. But my parents are very, like, against it. They don't think – they don't believe in it.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had the same – thing. like, I had, like, bird flu. I can remember all these periods of my life. Like, climate change, which I still worry about, but not obsessively. But, like, climate change, bird flu – um.
0: Oh, I thought I had AIDS. I thought thing. I had AIDS. Yeah, AIDS is years. like another
1: one. I mean, I thought I've had cancer five hundred times. Yeah. All that's anything I would read about, I'd be like, okay, this is for sure going to happen. And part of that is like the media, like, what now it's like clicks, but back then they're trying to sell magazines or whatever, so yeah. they want the news, all that stuff they yeah. want. Yeah.
0: Our culture, our, we do live in a, cu- a culture of alarmism. Sure. Because it sells it sells stuff. It yeah. sells stuff. It's like sex and then like fear. Those are like the two things. But you know what? I, I'm like a Googler. Did I mention that? I'm like an obsessive Googler.
1: Okay. I know and you I do. think
0: like it kind of goes back to like, you know, if you just go to the doctor, I always think of this story. This is like when for my fifth birthday, my grandmother took me to a restaurant counter it was like a special thing she would do I got battered shrimp and I ate the tail of one of the battered shrimp and right after I ate it I was like oh my god was that food and <laughs> I, I was like I started going in this spiral of like I just ate something that was poisonous and I was too afraid to tell anyone because I was afraid if I said, like, look, mom, I, I ate this tail, then my mom was going to be like, oh, my God, it's poison. Like, let's go to the hospital. Right. And and so I never told anyone. And my whole birthday, people, I'm like getting cake. I'm like crying, you know, thinking like <laughs> this is the last day of my life. Right. And so I realized now, like, this, I reenact this pattern in so many different, like, areas of my life. So instead of like me going to the doctor and being like, Hey, I think I may have a blood clot. Could we just check? I won't do that. I'll keep it inside. I'll Google it. Or I'll just like ask strangers, you know, because I have a fear that if I go to the doctor, then I do have a blood clot. Then my leg gets cut off. I can't do stand. I can't get on the stage. Right.
1: I have the exact same... We're very similar. I have the exact same thing. I'll keep Googling. I'll ask everybody I know. And then people will say, why don't you go to the doctor? And then I'm afraid of the doctor. Yeah. It's like, I just want to know, but I'm also afraid to know or to go.
0: Yeah, because you're afraid it's going to be worse. So it's like you just stay in this like uncomfortable position.
1: And what's amazing is, and this goes back to like healing back pain and stuff, is that then I'll go to the doctor... They'll look and be like, there's nothing here, nothing wrong here. And then it then goes away. And it's completely gone yeah. away. Yeah. And then I feel extreme relief, which I also think is part of it because the feeling of when you finally go... That's, it wasn't that. It was all nothing. You're fine. It feels like a high. And it's like it, it, it recycles just, over and over again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's something, too, to like dramatizing your life, which I was talking about with my therapist, like self-dramatization, where it's like you. we watch all these movies. It's such the hero's journey is like such an intrinsic part of our culture where it's like you're a superhero. You're like in your own world. You come against danger. Then you come out like, OK, it's like we're always like going through this cycle of like you know like an adversary and you know
1: yeah it's definitely for me is like a continuous cycle I'm having it right now with like again so often it's like dental but I'm like I have this other impacted wisdom I'm like so something's wrong with there and I bite and it feels pins and needle in this one area or whatever bullshit and now I've gotten better at being like this is probably anxiety because I got family issues going on right now and I'm like I'm probably just coping with that
0: that's what i'm doing too guys i like i like sit myself down and i will like free write and then i'll just take myself through this routine and i'll be like okay what are the odds what are the odds is it more likely that i have anxiety and in the past three years i've thought i had like three fatal illnesses Mm -hmm. What what are the odds that i actually have had one of those which i already know i didn't have two or that i have a blood clot right like it's it's like the blood clot is one in 3000 and this is like one in one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's part of the thing too, is like people weren't aware of all of this stuff before or nobody told me like, Oh, it wasn't until recently that I discovered like, this is a regular thing is that like you're repressing some kind of emotion and it manifests because it doesn't seem possible. Yeah. Cause that's the pain or whatever is real. I'm like my, kidney or my side actually hurts. I have pain here. It's I'm not making it up. Um so I'm like it didn't seem possible that me worrying about a comedy special or my dad not talking to me, how can that manifest itself as pain in my hip? That doesn't yeah. make sense. So like your brain is like, "Well, we are feeling pain right here. It must be something wrong internally." Yeah. Cuz it doesn't make sense for Uh, But that's where that mind-body connection comes in. Of like your brain is... It doesn't
0: make sense in the paradigm that you view the world.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. But once you read that, it's possible. And even when you know it's possible and likely, it's still like, yeah, but it could be pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Because those things do exist also.
0: Those things do exist. I mean, it's like, yeah, I guess it just depends too. It's so much... Are you into like neuroplasticity and like brain plasticity?
1: I don't really know what that is, but I'd like to be.
0: One of my girlfriends that I went to my theater school with is actually like, she just got her doctorate in neuroscience. She like went in a completely different direction. And I was asking her, because I'm really into um, like uh, meditation, like the combination of like meditation with um, brain plasticity. So it's like you do meditation, but you do it in a way that like the whole concept of brain plasticity is that like what you put into your brain it will work pathways so if every day you're like i'm grateful you embrace gratitude you're embracing your life then that will actually strengthen those feelings in your brain those feelings of gratitude happiness if every day you're like i'm i'm afraid the world is a scary place then that strengthens that those feelings in your mind right so I, I was talking to my friend I'm like I was telling her about this I'm like what's the one thing you've learned she was like what you put into your brain that's what your brain perceives
1: Interesting. so
0: it's like you know if you're in a relationship and it's like going downhill or whatever like and if you or if you like make a commitment to like love the person that you're with you will begin to love them you know but if you just like are always picking up on their faults you're reinforcing it in your mind then you'll just see that more and more Interesting So I read this book recently called um Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and it's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Not a real doctor. I always feel like I have to say that. I don't know. what He's a chiropractor with like some interests. Okay. But he markets himself as a doctor which I think is a huge red flag but the book makes sense. So the whole book is about how you not only is your mind plastic and you can like change it. You know it's like picking up a skill basically. Like if, right. You're like okay I'm going to learn stand up. It takes you 10 years. Like okay I'm going to make my mind a more positive place and put time energy into it with these like meditations, these like positive reinforcements. That's his one theory, which he he didn't come up with it, but he acts like he fucking did. (laughs) Then his other thing is that your body gets addicted to These different chemical signatures. So it's like if you have a cycle of being anxious, you that's creating a chemical reaction in your body, these emotional feelings of anxiety. And when if you are like, okay, well, I don't want to be anxious anymore. I don't want to be that. Your body is addicted to the feeling of anxiety because it is, it's right. not just that, oh, it's this immaterial feeling. It's like uh, this feeling of anxiety is actually a chemical reaction that's happening in your body and in your brain. Right. And it's also like, you know, there's different brain waves, different like states. Like the feeling of anxiety is like that fight or flight feeling of like high beta, sure. you know? Yeah. So you could be like addicted to this feeling chemically. So it's a really fascinating book. And anyway, at the end of it, he takes you through this four week meditation process where you go through you like kind of self like hypnotize yourself and you go through these like patterns that you want to get rid of. And you like embrace these feelings of like gratitude. You embrace these feelings of like evolved thought. And I got to say, like, I've been doing it since June and it's it's like been transformative. Oh,
1: I'm going to get this book for sure. You got to get it. And Mike's
0: read it, too. Mike loves it.
1: What's it called again?
0: Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, oh, I'll which get sounds this immediately. terrible. But his other book that I'm going to read soon is Becoming Supernatural. And it's very much like along the same, um, like along the same premise. And then the other guy that I love is um, God, I can't think of his name is But he's a neuroscientist and also an Eastern meditation practitioner. And he's all about like using meditation to like um, grow your brain in this like way that helps you perceive more positivity
1: interesting yeah Yeah. because i've been doing a lot of that like mindful meditation for years and i use the calm app and i do tara brock's podcast all this kind of and all these tic not han books and however you say her name pema Chodron or pema Chodron, and a lot of that really helps that mindfulness thing of like oh wait i'm freaking out right now i'm having anxiety that's not that but um going back to that the neuroscience plasticity thing made me think of and i've talked about this before i was reading the thing about placebo and the placebo effect yeah. of like once like we talked about you go to the doctor and he's like nothing's wrong so you immediately feel better because someone's yeah. a doctor has told you you're fine or like medicine once people like the placebo effect is real like someone can give you
0: it is real mints yeah. and be
1: like this is medicine this will help you immediately feel better like day one yeah i remember having all this anxiety and got on paxil like the first day i took the pill i'm like i think i'm feeling better because yeah. you're like okay now The solution is underway. We're starting to recover. But the opposite is also true. Like if you believe you're getting better and so you start to feel better, the opposite must also be true. If I'm like, I am sick and I'm getting worse, you will start to feel worse because you're convinced that it's a whatever, it's degenerative disease or whatever it is. So the, but
0: it's with so many other aspects of your life too. It's like you could. I. I sorry. Did you? Were you going to? No. 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 I didn't mean to cut you I'm, off. No. No.
1: I'm good. Not at all. I.
0: I listened to this other um, therapist who's hysterical. I forget what her name is. She's also like she has no therapy background. She's just a life coach, and she's British, and she's like a celebrity therapist, and she says like the most gauche things. Like she'll be like, "Well, one of my clients was actually quite successful, but she had an eating disorder. Anyway, she was very famous. You know, so it's like you." <laughs> (laughs) It's hard to take her seriously, but she does a hypnosis where she says like she hypnotizes you. And this is all like over the Internet, but it really works. She says, imagine that you have in one hand you have you're holding a sandbag and it's pulling your hand, pulling your hand and pulling your hand down. Now, imagine your other hand has a balloon and it's pulling and pulling and pulling. And she was like, feel how real that feels. That's your mind. In your life right like either you can have this easy buoyant life or you can have a heavy difficult life and it's totally up to you once you like access that that your brain
1: right the, I mean the and I talk about this every episode of recorded but like the mind body connection the power of the brain is like incredible what you can that like the thing of like you can see things like when you're like i feel like when i'm like waiting to meet someone everybody looks like that person yes, like i'll be like oh crazy. there's sarah and i'm like oh that's a guy with a beard
0: <laughs> or i'm like that's
1: a mailbox like yeah. when you're when you're uh, exp- anticipating seeing something you keep seeing it it's yeah. like i felt that way like i said like all this like tooth pain or whatever kind of pain and you go to the doctor and it just immediately is over it's just gone you're yeah. like how the hell did that happen <laughs> I've told this story before I I shot my Netflix half hour still on stand up the stand up season I watched it I thought it was great thank you I appreciate it but I had I was freaking out right before the show and I had a huge canker like it looked like the size of a nickel on like the back of my mouth and I was like this is cancer what the hell and my friend Chris Walsh who's like one of the loves of my life was like he just started laughing he's like dude he's like that's Start, that'll be gone tomorrow he's mm-hmm. like i guarantee and so like i shot the special of course and like the next day it was like half the size two days later it was just gone yeah but it's so wild that like somehow my brain is freaking out because i'm shooting a special mm-hmm. and like a canker sore just like is like boom like this big f- and it's like yeah. your brain is like let's put this in there so we can obsess about this instead of this traumatic yeah thing. Which is odd that it's like shooting a stand-up special is traumatic in a way. You're but like, I'm what sure, if this sucks? I'm sure, it's
0: very and... terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's completely terrifying. And you're really putting yourself out there and it's like, it's a scary thing.
0: So let me tell you about this because I'm, I'm really into neuroscience now. And I read this other book called Slight of Mind. Okay. And these neuroscientists actually interviewed a ton of magicians because like the whole... Um, the whole concept behind like these illusions, you know, like magic is that they figure out how to exploit the way your mind processes information. And that's why magic tricks seem so real, even though they're like basically, you know, pulling they're like doing something in front of you. You just don't see it because you can only like you mind processes things in certain ways. And Because you put it all together in your mind, it seems like things are happening in this like seamless way, but they're not, it's all like inside your brain. So I'm bringing that up just to support like reality. There's no objective reality. Like you're seeing things, what you're seeing with your eyes, you're just putting together in your mind. You know, it's like, it's all, which is, which is another kind of terrifying thing too.
1: Yeah. It's so, um, bizarre and fascinating and then to not know what is real and what's not real and what's being created is fascinating. and that's part of why like uh going back to like true crime like why eyewitness testimony is so unreliable because yeah. people different people see different things and interpret different things and I've had that with memories where you kind of like tell a story and then you it's on video or some kind of thing and you're like that wasn't blue at all you have yeah. the wrong color in your brain or something people
0: tell a story about you like in college or something and you're like i don't remember that but in your mind it seems like you remember every day of your life
1: right that's fascinating have you ever heard the theory or maybe it's the science or fact whatever it is um that when you remember something you're not remembering the actual event you're just remembering the last time you remembered it yeah which is it's crazy fascinating to me i don't even know if that has anything to do with what we're talking about? But that's just but, an interesting. But I, lo-
0: but I love like neuroscience, though. I think it's really cool.
1: Well, it helps too with all this anxiety to find out the science behind this stuff. Yes, like, there's a scientific thing that's actually happening here
0: yes like in dr joe's book he really breaks it down with like the different like brain waves and like meditating and getting yourself into these like different states and once you i'm like i I, one of my things is like i will intellectualize like a lot of my problems which is like that's actually not great i'll be like oh i'm having this this and this and this and it's like well yes but i'm still having it you know
1: right right
0: um but uh but it does help sometimes at least with the awareness of being like oh i feel myself and like caught in like a high beta state right let me tell you something one of the things i heard from this other guy whose name i can't remember if you're caught uh the the book is called meditations to change your brain though okay meditations to change your brain i can't recommend it enough it's on youtube the audio version is on youtube and am going like, listen to all these meditations the guy says um If you're caught in a high beta state where it's like fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight, I've I've been caught in it for hours. Like, you know, if I push too hard, like trying to write something and then like the last hour, I'm just like, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, like help, you know, sure. the one thing that can actually check you out of it is like getting a surge of serotonin and something that can cause a surge of serotonin is thinking about a love something like a very loving feeling okay so you can actually if you're having an anxiety attack and like you can actually check yourself out of it by like sometimes I offer myself love I'll be like I love you so much or like I'll think about like my boyfriend think about like a really nice time but if you can or like being with my family at a really nice time or like having a wonderful experience with friends if you can like artificially create that and right. it, it's happened to me before where I've been like oh I'm better immediately. I didn't need to... Like, that's what Xanax does. Xanax right. is like a rush of serotonin in your body. That's why it like checks you out of that spiral. Interesting.
1: So that's what serotonin is, is kind of feeling joy or happiness or love or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's essentially serotonin. Yeah. That's what... I've I've talked about this before on... Uh, I think I talked about some Pete Holmes podcast where I would do yoga a lot and at the end you would just kind of lay there and focus on your breath. But my brain would always go crazy thinking of th- stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I would... Do an exercise where I would think about people I love laughing, like because people, everyone you love, you've been around them when they were laughing as hard as they can, yeah. and so I'll think about my mother or Sarah or whoever, just in a laughing fit, and it brings me like pure. I start to smile and even laugh.
0: Oh, that's wonderful! I'm yeah. gonna try that too.
1: It's a fun thing to do because, like I said, like you've seen them all laugh. It's fun to think about those people. Laugh because there's nothing better than when everyone's. I mean, that's why killing is nice,
0: yeah. It's when a s- wonderful feeling, yeah.
1: And everyone's just like uncontrollably laughing, which is like the purest form of joy, really. Yes, is laugh- a involuntary a good laugh. laughter There's
0: nothing like it,
1: yeah. I apologize oh for it. we haven't brought more laughter in this uh podcast. I'll do it, yeah. Um, but
0: uh, a, a fake laugh though, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, it's the worst. I would rather someone go, You suck, I fucking hate <laughs> you, than, be, than do that <laughs> thing. Um, one time, I did a show at Laugh Boston, and nothing. This has nothing to do with anything. And I did a joke, and it did okay. It didn't hit hard. And then I heard like, brrr, brrr, like the cricket sound. Oh, God. And I got so mad. And I snapped. I was like, "That's fucking really rude. What you just did? It's fucked up. And I hope you should leave. They should kick. It's crazy they're not kicking you out. It was the whole thing. And then I got an Instagram message that was like, "Hey, I'm a huge fan. And that was a total accident. That's my actual." Phone. I just forgot to turn my phone off. Like the person just got a text message. Oh
0: my god! That
1: in their phone text alarm is that cricket thing. Like I thought somebody pressed the cricket thing. What kind of an, be an because asshole. you
0: know somebody would do that too. I sure. mean we're all like scarred emotionally from doing like horrible shows where someone's like, "You eat shit." You're yeah. Like, okay. Well, don't come to the show then. Fucking asshole
1: no of course now do you get affected by that with like twitter and youtube do you get negative comments do they fuck with you yes
0: you know it's so fucked up joe i feel like i i'm like very sensitive sometimes because i'm a woman and i'll be like i, I did a commercial for home depot that was on like it's not even my stand-up i did a fucking commercial for home depot that was they posted it on facebook and people were like shitting on me i'm like (laughs) turning on a fucking bath faucet
1: right and it was like
0: this bitch i'm like who are you right and then i go in a spiral i start looking at people's facebook profiles i'm like really debbie really yes you're 45 and you live in minnesota and you're coming at me because Uh why I turned on the faucet. Right.
1: I've done that and I get so mean and I feel bad because I've done that where I respond, I react to a person that's writing mean shit to me in a way that would be insulting to people that aren't being mean. Where I'm like, you're just a fucking loser who listens to other people talk and then you reach out to me and then I'm like, I could be describing a fan who wrote, "Hey, you're great." Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah. your life is meaningless, and I'm like, oh, this is really vicious and mean. It doesn't help anything, but it but does hurt. People are it's hurtful. so hurtful.
0: But but it's your choice to make it part of your experience. And so like I actually really cut myself off from like I took Facebook off my phone. I really try my best not to read, especially like if I do like you know what, dude, or something. There's always something yeah. so mean, and it's like, oh, this dumb bitch again.
1: Right. Like, right. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's hard, and like I just went down because a lot of the places where the negative stuff is is also where all the positive stuff is. So I just—it's nice to
0: see the positive stuff,
1: right? Yeah. I just went through all the Tuesdays with stories podcast reviews Mm -hmm. and most of them are like amazing you're like feeling great you're getting all this probably serotonin or dopamine gets
0: ripped out from under you yeah
1: then all of a sudden you're like the one guy's amazing (laughs) this guy sucks and he they mark should get rid of him and i'm like it's my show i I got him (laughs) um and you're just you want to like argue with the people but a lot of that stuff i've found personally Is that you said so much of it, as you said, something political that they Mm, don't agree with. So they're like, you're a fucking garbage.
0: But a lot of it, too, is this like that person has a myriad of issues that they're not dealing with. And they're like expressing by shitting on someone. It's like, could you imagine like if I would have to be in like a severely bad emotional place? To be writing something like that on the internet. Like, I would have to... I love myself. I would have to fucking hate myself. Right. To be, like, going on the internet and be like, look at this dumb fuck.
1: Right. Particularly when you tag the person, when you reach out to them. Like, I i critique movies and stuff. I'm critical of art. But it's so strange to me. Like, when I had the Netflix thing, how many people tagged at Joe List Comedy, you suck and this is horrible. It's not funny. I'm like, well, just write that to your friends, man. Why are you going to yeah. tell me?
0: Yeah, because they're like really hurting inside. You know, it's like it's really it, when you I think when you see it from that angle and you kind of depersonalize it, you're like, oh, this person isn't attacking me. They have some serious psychological issues.
1: Sure. I think I read an article one time that said like Internet trolls, people that meet on the Internet are actually like scientifically unhappy mean people they're kind of shitty people yeah
0: they are it's just like and and i think that's the thing about the internet too where it's like if like if you're at a show and there's somebody who's shitty there and they're like you know they have their arms crossed they're like rolling their eyes you're like look at this fucking asshole like you think i care what you think Right. because you can see the person but when it's online you don't get that extra information of like oh this guy's a fucking asshole right it's just a voice from the void being like you suck or like you know this bitch thinks that her bathroom is a normal size I'm like R- okay
1: that's what's so hard that the whatever that thing is in the brain or the psychology of you can read 500 people being like you're the best and the funniest and the greatest and then there's just one being like you suck and your shit. Oh yeah, that one has so much more meaning. It's the headwinds,
0: tailwinds anomaly. Oh, what's I listened that? to a Freakonomics episode on that one time. You, your brain is, I guess, it's like you know, more of like an evolutionary psychology theory. But because, like, when we were living like back in the day in the jungle or whatever, you're wired to perceive threats with more attention Ah. than you are to perceive like um, advantages that
1: makes sense because
0: you're like oh it's a threat i'm gonna die
1: right right that's what i've tried to do a bit about this that's one of the most fascinating things uh, like psychologically that i've read a bunch is that all of the fight or flight stuff is built into us evolutionarily. however you say that word in that When you, when you, the fear is like from when we were cavemen and like a saber toothed tiger, you're like, all right, I got to fight this thing or get the hell out of here. Yeah. And that's the same essential mind body connection that we deal with now in the current world. But it's so fascinating that it's like the idea of going on stage and telling jokes, I'm having the same reaction that I would have if a fucking polar bear came up to my tent. Yeah. It's the same sort of, um, neutrons or whatever the hell. <laughs> uh whatever. Like you're
0: just throwing out science whatever. Words. Yeah,
1: yeah, atoms Anomaly. and psychology. <laughs> it's the it's a similar thing where your brain is like yeah. this is we perceive this as dangerous.
0: Or also like I get social anxiety, I I don't get it nearly as bad as I used to. Like I was I've been doing stand up for 10 years and I was talking to Robert Dean, who I've known for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Do you remember how I used to be like when I would go out to open mics? I was so terrified to speak to anybody. Yeah. I was just like f- filled with constant terror. And um and people would say things to me like, uh, oh, I remember you used to be so intimidating. I was like, it's so funny that it's reading like that because I was I was too afraid to say hi to anyone even
1: yeah i I mean i'm
0: like in the corner like staring like carrie yeah but i think it's the same thing evolutionarily where it's like you know a fear of being ostracized from the group i was just afraid i would say something stupid and no one would like me and i you know also felt like you know i I was afraid of being kind of like ostracized in this way that's like it back in the day if you were ostracized you'd be like left alone to die
1: you right, know. right. Yeah. I th- Just like
0: blending in, blending in.
1: I've heard there's a theory that all fear is in two categories, fear of dying and fear of being alone. Have you ever heard that?
0: Oh, no, I haven't. That, like, That's interesting.
1: Any, any fear you have, whether it be heights or, you know, social anxiety is the fear that everyone's going to hate you and you'll have no friends and you'll be alone. Yeah. And fear of heights is you're going to fall off the building and die. So like they can all be broken down into those two categories of dying or being alone
0: interesting yeah i think it's Well, what about the fear of uh public speaking i guess that would be fear of being ostracized yeah again
1: it's like everyone hates you because i fear this with like uh with cancel culture i mean i've said so many horrific things on podcasts that i'm like that's like my biggest fear is that everyone's gonna be like you're a bad person and then you're like but i'm not but that was like we don't care now i mean that's the scary part of um the cancel culture thing but wait what was i just gonna say right before that ah oh, shit wait what I'm did you about st- the fight what?
0: or flight social anxiety oh socially
1: oh yeah i've had that where uh and I'll, we can wrap it up soon we're over okay. an hour here but um i've had that thing too where people sometimes think that you're like an elitist or something where you're like oh that guy he's clicky or whatever but you're like well maybe they just have horrible social anxiety like i, I thought about this one time when i was still living in boston me and a couple of boston comics came down or no, I was living here, but I had just left Boston. But a couple of Boston comics came down and there was a bunch of New York comics kind of in the corner. And one of my friends from Boston was like, never become like those guys. They don't even come over here. They don't say hello. They're just in their own New York clique and they don't want to talk to any of the out, outside yeah. comics. But I kind of knew those guys and I was like, well, that's they're just shy and weird. They're yeah. just sticking with their friends that they know. They're just yeah. as, They're intimidated to come over here and meet someone. Because I feel that way all the time. I'm like, I'm not... I'm socially anxious, so I feel weird going up and being like, hi, I'm Joe. Yeah. And so sometimes people perceive that as like, oh, they don't want to talk to me because I'm from whatever, Florida, whatever. I'm like, no, no, I'm just shy and scared to talk to people. Yeah. It's not like I'm some... Or whatever. I mean, I'm not even the person in this uh, situation. It was these... It was like... Yeah. I think it was like Kurt Metzger and Julian McCullough or whoever. And maybe, even, uh, and maybe even Mike uh, Vecchione. uh But it was like Aww. that group and they're like oh those guys are such new york i'm like oh no, no they just don't
0: they're just shy yeah Yeah,
1: they don't want to come they're, well, they're, all they're, comedians they're are like
0: shy and awkward it's yeah like you know it's so funny
1: i don't know if i articulated that properly but do you know what i mean where totally it's like like what your situation where people are like oh you're intimidating you're like i was freaking out in the corner. I I would, don't know. Yeah, I
0: was so afraid to say hi to anyone. But it's funny now because, like, I do still have social anxiety, but I realize that I have it in a way that's like, it's normal to be anxious when you're at a huge party that's like packed and there's like music blaring. Like, it's uncomfortable. Right. That's normal. And I think about it now where it's like, I'm actually socially advanced because it's like, I do all these shows. I do shows on the road. I talk to everybody after the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I have become the person that's like, oh, hey, how's it going? My name's Katie. Or, like, I go in a green room and I just like, now. Now I know that it's just like normal and appropriate to be like, hi, right. how are you? And so it's so funny because it's like, I do still experience social anxiety when it's like uh, from where I was 10 years ago, I'm all the way at the other end of the spectrum. Where right. it's like, I can almost now go into any situation and be like, hello.
1: Well, that's the thing that therapy helps too, is because no one can tell what you're feeling inside. So you're like, Maybe you're like me. But like I do like a meet and greet after the show. That's the hardest part of all of it comedy is, to me. It is. I feel yeah. so anxious. I don't know what to say. I'm afraid I'm going to lose fans by saying the wrong thing. <laughs> and taking yeah. photos. I don't know how people want their photos taken. But nobody can tell. So like I'll talk to my therapist and be like, it freaks me out and I can't do it. I get so much anxiety. But I, you are doing it. You are dealing yeah. with it. You have so many things that you're like, you feel like I can't do this. I can't deal with it. But you are actually dealing with it. You're just anxious. Do you
0: get that too where it's like when you get you get socially anxious and then because you're socially anxious you kind of clench up and you are more awkward and then it just like becomes like a cycle.
1: Of course. Where
0: you're like, ha. Yeah hello and you're like great now they think i'm a robot i don't know what i'm doing
1: yeah and then everything you've said you're like oh god and then you're just going through it that's and that's the
0: worst yeah, yeah i'll miss
1: the next three things they say because i'm like wait what did i just say i feel yeah. like a fucking idiot <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like that with this podcast i'm like i've said so many things where i'm like that didn't even make sense i'm an idiot that i didn't articulate myself properly but that's part of the process i guess yeah but i have that with this doing this podcast too it's ironic because it's a podcast about anxiety but it gives me anxiety because it's like I was saying that to Sarah like you're coming over here I'm like hope we can fill an hour meanwhile we're over an hour and I'm like we gotta wrap up but I'm like sometimes you're like I don't have any notes like I did research so you're like I don't know how this is gonna work but then you just kind of I wasn't anxious about the
0: podcast. I was anxious. My roommate wouldn't get out of the shower. So I was like late coming over here. I was anxious about that. Oh, that's like one of my like things. So it's kind of nice where it's like, Oh, I was anxious about a different thing. So I didn't have to be anxious about this.
1: (laughs) That part's, that's kind of nice. I think that's what our mind body thing is. Like I said, like you get a canker sore when you're shooting a special. So your brain can be like, let's worry about that instead of this. And you can, avoid thinking of childhood trauma by being like oh my i got a blood clot oh
0: i'm really busy yeah
1: yeah yeah. Yeah. um but anyways well thank you for coming over and doing it i appreciate it yeah it was great
0: this is great
1: and then tell me those books again because i want to get all of them i want the people to know about the books
0: so the the number one i'd recommend is breaking the habit of being yourself by doctor again not a real doctor he's a chiropractor joe Dispenza. The other book uh was um Meditations to Change Your Brain. I can't remember the name of the author, but if you Google it, the playlist is on YouTube, so okay. you can listen to the audiobook, which is narrated by the two guys that wrote it. The other book I read, uh Slight of Mind. That oh, was yes. the one about the um neuroscientists uh studying magicians. And uh and it by Stephen King. Terrifying, very yeah. scary.
1: I might have uh, I might have you text me all these but these are great so people check out these books maybe they'll help hopefully we're helping people that's what I hope for yeah uh, and tell people where to see your comedy and find you and all that stuff
0: just follow me on Twitter at Katie Hannigan Thank
1: yeah you Katie Hannigan and do you have an album out yet
0: no I think I'm gonna record one soon yeah you I should. don't know I'm trying to figure it out but I have I mean I have a ton of material so it's like let me just Stop doing the same jokes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Get it out there. It's fun. But yeah, yeah, check out Katie Hannigan. Hilarious comic and a wonderful person. And thank Thank you for coming over. I appreciate it. It was really fun. This was fun. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
0: Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt. For the Laugh Button Podcasts.